All right, my friend, how you doing? Doing great, man. Doing great. Good. All right, before I introduce you, I'm gonna we're gonna play some uh, trivia. Uh, I'm gonna give you some stats. You're gonna guess the play. Ready? Do I get to get an iPad so I can cheat? No, 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 no. Right, not at all. all. Right. These are pretty easy. Uh, all right. Great. Major League Baseball. 4,256 hits. Oh, you're killing me, man. This, you, you're really... You're really Come you're on, I'm going to give you an easy one. Is that Pete something. Rose? It's Pete Rose. All right. All right, we're going right. to do college baseball. I thought we don't talk about Pete Rose anymore. Uh, we, we got a couple <laughs> Pete Rose questions to, to get over. Um, all right, college baseball. Mid-90s. Think 90s. Um, this player, four-year starter at multiple positions, two appearances in the College World Series, lifetime 300 hitter, and 102 stolen bases. That's self-promotion, man. <laughs> That's an easy one. I think that guy's Wicho. Yeah. That guy's Wicho. That, that That's my me. next that guest. That would be me. Luis Wicho Hernandez. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. It's good. good seeing you. So you had, we're going we're to get into your whole career and everything, but uh, you played at UM for four years, played lots of different positions, had a great, great career, and then you played minor league ball. From there, you've had an amazing business career. Walk me through sort of that pivot in your life. You know, you and I grew up together. We know a lot of former ball players, yeah. and for me, at least, I saw, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to figure out your career path as is, but a lot of ball players they look lost. And, and some of them, dude, I see them now, they're almost 50 years old and they're still they're lost. They're still lost. <laughs> they're still lost, right? Because a baseball player, some you're of like, them are our friends. <laughs> we're still friends with some of these guys. But uh, some of these guys, uh, because, you know, they're, they're, their career path was they thought they were going to make the majors or, or their life is so structured. And then all of a sudden, whatever, you were able to like pivot and get into business right away. Walk me through when you graduated. What, how did that happen? You know, it's it's interesting because I look back and and what I did at the time, I thought I knew what I was doing, and then you look back, you know, twenty years later, and 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 maybe what I was doing wasn't exactly the right for the right reasons. Right. So if you go back, um, first it starts, you know, starts really my junior year in high school, mm -hmm. and Coach Frazier, uh, you know, Coach Frazier is no longer with us, but yeah. Coach Frazier literally came to my living room, and and I was just about to sign with Florida State. I was going to go up there, Pedro Grifol, who's yeah. a good friend of ours, yeah. and coaching the White Sox now. You know, was up there. He was my host uh, after visiting Florida State. And I was ready. I was ready to go to Florida State. Right. And Frazier caught wind. He's like, no, no, I got to go visit him. And he came to my house. I mean, Frazier, legendary Le coaches is, in my yeah. house in Westchester. Right. You know, by Tropical Park. And, yeah. and he's sitting with me and sitting with my parents. My brother's in there. My sister's in there. And and at the end, he you know, he, he asked a question that I didn't really value at the time. Right. Uh, but I live it today. And his question was, where are you going to live the rest of your life? Like, I'm going to live in Miami the rest of my life. This is what I love. I love being here. I'm not going to go anywhere else. Right. He's like, well, if you go to Tallahassee for four years, they're going to love you up there. Everyone's going to love you, and they're going to say, oh, we show you're the best. You're great. And then you're going to come back to Miami, and no one's going to know who you are. Right. Or you could come play at Miami, have a great career in Miami, maybe play pro ball, maybe not play pro ball. But when you're done playing, you're going to have an incredible career in Miami, and right. people are going to know who you are. You're going to establish relationships, yeah. and you're going to have business owners that are going to know who you are. And to this day, 30 years later, I, I still benefit from that. There's still days I walk into a place, and they go, yeah. oh, Wicho, you played at UM. Yeah. You know? Now, very few people are left that do that, you know, <laughs> but it still happens, like, right. you know, and it's cool because I didn't know that at the time, you know, the real reason was, you know, he said, you know, your parents are going to watch you play 40, 50 games a year right. down the street versus they're going to fly to Tallahassee maybe once or twice. And as you know, you know, my family doesn't come from a place where there's right. a, financially there's a lot of means. So for me, having my parents in, in the stadium watching me play was a big deal. Mm -hmm. But what Frazier said that day, I live every day. And I've told that story because I think kids, when you're going into this place where you're going to college baseball or college football yeah. or whatever, you don't think beyond the sport. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, Frazier, it was the first hint of it at the time, uh, which was helpful. Fast forward, uh, I was playing pro ball, as you mentioned, with the Mets, and I had an opportunity to get an advanced degree, to get my master's. And, and it, I, what, what I know now, is not what I knew then, is 
my belly was full. Like, yeah. I didn't know that then. Yeah. But I stopped playing because I, I lost that, that edge to really want to drive. Yeah. And part of it was because I felt like I arrived. I felt like, man, I reached something that I didn't think I would reach. I'm playing right. pro ball. How great is right. this? And then I just got satisfied. And then I'm like, all right, you know, I lost my edge as a player. But it helped me look at other avenues. And, and obviously advancing my education yeah. uh, and having an opportunity to get into business was where I landed, which I look back at it as like, wow, that's the best thing I ever did at that time. But I can't say, I, oh, I knew it at the time. Right. I just kind of fell that way, and it just worked out but for me. But it happened, why? Because an alumni at the University of Miami kind of pointed you in the insurance business, right, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, so so I, I got my master's in psychology, and right. I wanted to do sports psychology. I, I, to this day, I'm still fascinated by the psychology of, of sports, just like the psychology of business, right. like the psychology of the customer. There's so much that psychology plays into, and I thought sports psychology was an area I wanted to go into. So I was at a UN baseball game, just randomly walking around. I remember mm -hmm. when I goes yesterday, I was walking behind the dugout to get to the area where a lot of former players sit yeah. behind the dugout. This guy, Tim Schaefer, who, who's still a dear friend, you know, he asked me, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm really not sure what I'm doing yet. Yeah. Just got my master's, I'm back in town. He's like, come by my office this week. I want to show you what I do. I think you'd be perfect at it. Mm -hmm. And I went by his office. It was on Brickle, 999 Brickle. Yeah. And I went in there, and, and, you know, he had this little whiteboard back then, and he's, yeah. you know, with the whiteboard. He's going over these numbers and telling me, you know, you'd be great at this. This is what I do. And I'm like, man, that sounds awesome. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I've always... You know, finance was my minor, and, and I loved right. numbers. I was always good at that. And literally that day, I'm like, I want to do this. He's like, all right, you got a job. And that's how I started. And, no way. And that was 1996, I think it was. Uh, and since then, you know, opened the business. It, life's been good to me as far as the insurance and, and financial and services. And what kind business. of insurance do you, insurance and financial services do you sell? Yeah, so, so the, you know, the firm, the way we're set up, uh, you know, we have over 350 advisors that, that cover most of Georgia, all of Florida, and even Puerto Rico. And you know we have some advisors that only sell life insurance, for right. example. We have some advisors that only focus on disability. Our main purpose is really financial planning. So yeah. most advisors have a, a financial planning approach mm -hmm. to how they do their business, and most of them will, will you know work on the protection side of it, which will cover you know life, disability, long-term care insurance. Yeah. Doesn't mean they necessarily do it all, but they work on the plan. And then most advisors will also work on the wealth management side. Again, doesn't mean they're managing the assets, but they construct the plan. And right. then based on that plan. You plug the holes in as far as where the client, you know, has something that's important to them and they want to fill a need. And how do you service those kinds of clients? Because it, probably somebody who's buying uh, just a one-off life insurance plan versus like I want a whole, I want you to set me up, you know, just for financially mm -hmm. retirement, blah blah blah. Like, how, how do you service that yeah. that sort of pie? It's kind of you know, all over the place, right? Yeah, Dan, you, you bring up a, a, a good you bring up a good comment because most people do what you just said the first the first part of it, right? Oh, I, I need a, a one-off. Yeah. So you wake up one day and, and you're about to get married or you have a kid or whatever the case is, oh, man, I, you know, if something happens, you need life insurance. Right. Or you're sitting at work and the person on the other side of the office says, hey, you need to put money into your 401K. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to put money in my 401K. Yeah. So most people do things one-offs, which is not necessarily the right way to do right, it. Right, right, right. Because there's no plan or strategy behind yeah. it, you know. So what we try to do is, is help people that are trying to do the one-offs but kind of push them into, look at the big picture. Right. Because when you look at the big picture, you're able to coordinate things a lot better and make sure that your insurance is coordinated with your assets and mm -hmm. your 401k is coordinated with whatever wealth management account you might have outside your qualified account at work. So it, it's it's something we try to encourage everyone to do. Mm -hmm. But it's hard because it's it's not, it's it, every day it changes. Yeah. And it's, you know, every year of your life things change and your priorities change and your goals change. And, you know, people get married, people get divorced. Sometimes they get married again, <laughs> right? Things I know like a few of those guys. And, and, and you look around and, and you know, 50% blended families. So there's right. a lot of complexities. And then beyond that, look at our current tax law. Right. Every four years, taxes change, yeah. right? right? So you can't just sit down and say, 
I'm going to put this away for the next 30 years and I'm going to pay this in taxes because we don't know. We don't know. And right. we don't know what inflation is going to be. Right. So there's so many unknowns that the, the right way to do it is to look at the big picture mm -hmm. and make sure there's a place that, that you're frequently visiting it yeah. and making sure you're updating it as needed. This episode is brought to you by Buena Vista Creative, Miami's premier digital marketing agency. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com for more info on how Buena Vista can help your business increase revenue and create the brand and digital presence it deserves. Video and podcast production, web and app development, search engine and social media marketing, logo creation, outdoor, print, swag, and more. Visit BuenaVistaCreative.com to learn more. So you built this great business. You played for two of the you know, Hall of Fame coaches, baseball coaches, Jim Morris and Ron Frazier. Their leadership styles and then things that you've taken from their coaching, managing, you know, what have you, uh, and applied it in your life and in your business. What, what, what were the key takeaways playing for those uh, legends? And they're both legends. Uh, well put, Danny. I think the, the first one I'd say is Coach Frazier's just his charisma was was he'd walk into a room and it lights up. I mm -hmm. mean, the lights could be off and they just turn on when right. he walks in. He's, he had that aura yeah. about him. And I think with Frazier, it's, you know, he made everyone feel special. Mm -hmm. And, he, you know, it didn't matter who Great it was. Great salesman, right? Yeah, he just walked in and he shook hands and he said hi to everyone and he found a way to connect with everyone. And I think in business, you know, at the end of the day, we're all running around. It's a rat race, right? right? It's nice to stop and say hi to someone and connect with them before right. you move on to your office. Right. Or if it's a customer's office you're visiting. It's just, it's a nice thing to do. So I think from Frazier, there's so many things that I got from him, but that's what jumps out as far as, you know, Frazier and what he did. Mm -hmm. I caught him at the tail end of his career as right. well. Um, and Coach Morris was just incredibly prepared. I mean, he was, I mean, everything he did was methodical. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, he would, you know, every practice was scripted. Every game was scripted. You know, everything he said was kind of scripted. Right. And every time, you know, he was observing anything, he was, he had a little notepad always. So he'd be in the third base dugout. And if all of a sudden you did something, you'd see him pull out the little notepad and writes a little note. And then at the end of the game, he'd pull it off of the Top of his hat, no and way. Go, All right, let's go through the notes. <laughs> so there was there was an incredible amount of preparation yeah. and, and and attention to detail. They they both had, but that's what I remember from Coach Coach Morris. Yeah. And then for Coach Frazier, like I said, he, he just had a personality that was larger than life. Uh, so I think those are the two things that that easily translate into business. Yeah. Uh, and whether I do it indirectly or directly, it's it's things that have been part of my business as well. So your life a lot of randomness, right? From the business, how you ended up at UM, and then you become the voice of the Hurricanes, Hurricanes baseball. How, how did that happen? And I remember how I found out. I'm watching a Hurricanes baseball game, and all of a sudden they go, Huicho Hernandez, the announcer. And I'm like, how is this guy announcing baseball games now? So, so first of all, out of respect to Joe Zagaki, the true voice of the Hurricanes. <laughs> he, he is, he is so the true voice. I want to make sure, true. Joe, yeah. if you're watching <laughs> this, you are, the, you are the voice. So so uh, Coach Morris, and it is, you know, it's been 22 years now, yeah. 2001. And it's interesting it's because if you go back to 2001, uh, before 2001, former athletes weren't as prominent in the booth. So right, right, it. right. It, you know, you had guys. Professional guys. And, and, and girls that yeah. studied broadcasting that right. were in the booth, whatever it was. Right. And then they started using former athletes to do color commentary and former yeah. athletes to, to be in the studios more prominently. It right. happened before, but not as prominent. Right. So I guess UM said, hey, we want to do the same thing. And at the time, it was Fox Sportsnet. Mm -hmm. And uh, Frank Fort, uh, Joe Zagaki, <laughs> and some other guys were, were the broadcasters. Yeah. And they said, hey, would you want to broadcast some games as a color commentator? I, I've never been in a booth in my yeah. life. Right. But if that's what you want, <laughs> sure, I'll do it. So it started then, and, and it's been amazing. Uh, you know, we, uh, Fox Sports did it for a while. Comcast did it for a while. Most recently, we've been doing it with ESPN. Yeah. Uh, and they cover, you know, pretty much every game. Uh, and I'll do maybe 20 to 25 games a year with the, with UM baseball. Yeah, It's cool because I've been able to connect with generation after generation right. after generation since I played. So my last year playing was 94 with the Hurricanes. Right. 
94 to 97, those were all my teammates because a lot of the freshmen came yeah. through, the JDs, the Alex yeah. Coras, right. you know, Danny Graves. But then after that, there was a gap. And then when I started broadcasting, it feels like every player since 2001, in some way, yeah. I've broadcasted their games, which yeah. is cool because I've, I've stayed close with them. And some of their kids are not playing, which makes me feel old, which <laughs> is, is a little weird. Insane. So what's your preparation for for a game like that, you're, you're, you don't have broadcasting training, right? So how do you how do you prepare for that? I you know you. You don't want me to answer this <laughs> way. So so <laughs> the reality is, yeah, they give I, you a ton of stuff, right? They give you all the data you need. Right. Uh, again, this is just my experience, so this doesn't yeah. apply to every color commentator in the world. Yeah, they give you a ton of stuff. I cover UN baseball, and, and I'm the home team's color commentator. Yeah, so I know the program. I can sit there. Yeah, you're right. You and I could talk for the next two days. And I won't run a, run out of material about you and baseball. Right. So when I go into a broadcast booth, it's easy for me to cover our yeah. team. So a lot of the preparation that I do is about the other team. All right. right? So because once you know our players, you know our players. Right. Uh, and there's always backstories you could use and stuff like that. So it's not as time consuming as it would be as if, if I was doing different teams throughout the country and stuff like that. So, yeah. And heavy um, ACC baseball, that kind of stuff. ACC baseball, and, and you know, we cover ACC, so you get to know the ACC. Yeah. You get to know college baseball, and it's fun. It's it's been. I mean. I do it and, and I get paid for it, yeah. but it's like a hobby. It's it's cool. It's like I'm, you know, I'm yeah, on TV. Yeah, having a great time. And, you know, I'll tell you what, one funny joke. I love it because I've only done TV. Yeah. Not because I'm it's just what I've done. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll run into someone. They're like, "Hey, I heard you the other day on the radio. You were awesome." I'm like, probably wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> but you I was play like, along. Yeah, you're like, oh man, that was great. I'm yeah. glad you heard it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. So, but it's it's been great and it's kept me close to the program. I'm obviously passionate about the yeah. program. So that's helped. Yeah, 2025 20, games a year. You could you you could totally it's do good. that. It's so good. you're on my Mount Rushmore of, of announcers. You got Vince Scully, Bob Euchre, Costas, and then Weecho Hernandez. Wow. That's, that's a good one. Those are some big shoes, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, but I'm not sure that's the case. No, but no, I'll, no. I'll take it. I'll okay, take it. Uh so let's talk a little bit about collegiate sports, very different from where you were in nineteen ninety-four. Um something that most people don't know, uh, a, a college baseball team has what, 25, 26 guys on, on, on the roster? Up to 35 and on the roster. And you only have 11 and a half, or 11.7 scholarships, scholarships right. to give out, which most people blows their mind when you say that. Um, and then, how, first of all, how do they manage the team with 11 and a half, or a little less than 12 scholarships to spread across, you know, almost 30 guys? How, yeah. how do they do it? it? It's almost like having a salary cap on, on, on a budget, right? On a budget, <laughs> like right, a yeah, real yeah, yeah. budget. Right. So it, it's, it's, um, it's tough especially for the small universities and the private schools. And the expensive schools. Right? Expensive schools. Right. So so when you get a Miami, a Duke, uh, you know, the Boston colleges of the yeah. world, they're the smaller schools uh, that cost a lot of money to go to. It's, it's very tough. So you, you there's the NCAA controls it in a way as far as how you allocate those scholarships. So mm -hmm. it's not like you can say, I'm going to put a little bit here, a little bit there, so that it's it's controlled somewhat. Right. Uh, you have to be really good at, at recruiting walk-ons. Uh, wow. it, it, you have to. Yeah. You, you just have to. And you have to, you know, sell them on the idea. Come here, even though we're only going to give you a quarter of a scholarship, while maybe somewhere else is giving you, you know, full ride. Um, financial aid does come into play in, yeah. in some cases. Uh, so you have students that, that or, or athletes that have financial aid helps them, but it's difficult. And I, I think it's it's a gap that the NCAA, NCAA has to uh, address because it's really the only major sport yeah. where it's not a full scholarship sport. Yeah, um, it's it's always blown my mind. Uh, money's played such a big role always in college, but now more than ever with. NIL, and for those who don't know, it's name, likeness, and image, where, uh, you know, the court said, look, these kids can start making money um, in, in, in collegiate sports. How does a UM or, all, like, how does the system work? Because most people, it's still very gray. And then even before, you told me about the collective. I had no yeah. idea what the collective is. Yeah. So if you could walk us through that. Yeah, so so, so the, the name, image, likeness ruling, which, which took place a few years ago, 
as you mentioned, gave yeah. the, the ability of players to make money off their, their name, their, their name, image, right. you know, who they are, which I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, how it's playing out, you know, needs to be cleaned up, I think, in my opinion. So the way that works is Danny Ariola now is a shortstop for the, the Hurricanes, and Danny can now find people that will pay him to either go on Twitter or go on Instagram or go yeah. on whatever. Right, car dealership, you know, right. And, you know, say, you know, I'm XYZ from yeah. Intel, and all of a sudden we could pay Danny to do that. Right. And, and that's a very, very simplified version of it. So what's happened with these universities, they have these collectives where they basically consider it, think of it as a fund. Right. So the collective collects funds from various yeah. uh, people that want to support the collective. And then through that collective, they're able to pay their players. It's not the school, by the way. It's 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 The school does not control it. So that's the, school the key. The school does not control it. So who, it, who it, controls it's, it? A it's, group of alumni? It's, it's a, either a group of alumni. Wow. It's, it's disconnected from the school. Okay. But it's kind of approved yeah. by the school. And then that money is, is able to be used to pay for different things. So... Back in the day, you mentioned Frazier. Frazier used to have a, a, a sign-up board in our locker room. And in the sign-up board, it would say, here's the charities this weekend. you got to sign up. And every player had a couple of those they had to do every month. It, right. was, it wasn't it was just, you had to do it. Now they could say, here are they, here's the event, and this event's $100, this event's $200, and, and you actually could go get paid to do that. Wow, that is it's, crazy. It's very different. So that's obviously changed college sports. Yeah. And again, I'm giving you snippets of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's much more complex right. than the way I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it. The second part of it is the portal, which which is didn't exist back in the day, right. and and I think the portal again, there's good to it, and I, I, there's a great part for an athlete to feel, you know, I'm not happy where I'm at, I can pick up and go somewhere right. else. So I don't want to minimize the importance of that, but what's happening now is the portals is is become so abused, I guess, for lack of better yeah. words, that athletes are actually using it to, hey, coach, either I want to be this next year or I'm out of here, right? Which is tough. Like so, coaches now are, are having to. Deal with a different athlete that didn't so exist 30 what years I was ago. About, you know, and, and this channel is all about the customer. The the, the student athlete before a, a Frazier had complete control over you. He can make your life miserable. Uh, you can you can transfer all stuff. Now it's the other way around that the player's empowered and saying, "Hey, coach, I didn't play a lot last year. I'm at UM and Alabama's calling me. Oh, and by the way, I mean I don't know how you do this, but Alabama's not only going to give me more scholarship money, but it may give me a hundred grand where I'm making five grand here. Like the the, the coach." These are almost like his clients, almost in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, you no, you're, you're, it's like a pro, I mean, it's a pro team. The, the player, the player is to a certain extent the client. There's right. no doubt. Right. Uh, now, it, it's it's one of those situations where they are the client. You want right. to make sure you serve the client. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to stay true to your mission as a company, of, of right? Of course. So right. if you have a company, you're like, these are, this is our mission. This is what we're trying to do. Yeah. The client's not perfect aligned with us right sometimes you just gotta let them go yeah yeah, right? yeah 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 no different than business so i i think that happens but you're you're seeing a, a much more louder client in, in a player yeah. nowadays now there are rules by the way you can't you can't just go portal to portal you can't jump around schools. right there's some there's so the some. ncaa has some safeguards in place but the portals become you know a place where schools you've seen it you know with you yeah, in football man. you know they have holes and they say okay we got to plug these holes it's crazy now the flip side of it is and you talk about clients we'll, we'll kind of try to draw the parallels with clients is you have that client that's been loyal, right? That client that's that's stuck with you. Yeah. And all of a sudden when you were a small company, they're with you. Yeah. And now you're a bigger company. All of a sudden, hey, you know what? You're not that important to me anymore because I got I'm a bigger company now. Right. Well, that that's like that the person that's been waiting is the backup. And now all of a right. sudden he's the backup player or she's the backup player for a couple of years and they think I'm gonna be a starter this year. But the coaches say, oh you know what? You you're too small for us now. We're gonna go get someone else. Isn't that crazy? So it's interesting the way it works, you know. Yeah. So so loyalty, you know, you know, who gets the chances, who doesn't get the chances. So uh, but it's definitely, as you mentioned, a different dynamic that's going on in sports. It's a different dynamic. Yeah, and the whole loyalty thing and with the players, like I always thought was 
which was very unfair to the players, is a kid signs up to go play for this coach, and then he plays their freshman year, and then sophomore year, the coach jets go somewhere else, and the next coach comes in, has a different offense or different philosophy, and the kid's stuck, yeah. right? Like, that's a big win for the kid. But isn't that life, though? No, it's totally, totally. No, I, I, I agree. But that, sports just prepares you for life. It totally prepares yeah. you for life. But in life, I, I can go tomorrow and go get a new job. Right. In, in, in college, they always had this thing over you right. where like, no, 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 you have to sit out a year or go to a JUCO or redshirt. Um, but I think it's swaying the other way where the kids are just like, you know, transferring here, they're transferring there, and yeah. the money's getting crazy. Yeah, I, I think I think the controls is sway too far the other way. Right. I, I right. think, again, it, for an 18, 19-year-old kid, to go to a coach and say, I want to be a starter or I want to be the third batter or I want to be this. If not, I'm leaving. And and it, it's too much power, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times you have coaches that maybe aren't strong or confident or their job's in jeopardy. If, yeah. And they're like, wait a minute, if I don't do this for him, then he leaves. It looks bad on me. My contract's being reviewed. It's just a bad situation. It's crazy. The skill set of a coach is going to be totally different now. Completely. 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 It's, 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 you're yeah. like a pro coach. Yep. And... Honestly, you're kind of dealing with contracts yep. in, in a weird way. Where before it's like, here's a scholarship kid, and you know, wait in line, you got to compete for the job. And now it's like, here's a scholarship, but by the way, I don't like it. You're on the clock, buddy. I'm, yeah. I'll transfer to you know whatever school. Yeah, it, it's it's you're kind of a pro coach, but to many extents, it's worse than a pro coach because a they're pro kids. coach, they're kids, yeah. and a pro coach, you get you can sign your core players for ten years. Correct. You're not signing. Yeah, for yeah, 10 years year to year in no, college, right? You're, so so it's 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 interesting because like in business, yeah, you, you can sit down and say. You know, we're going to put this long-term strategy in place for our customers. Right. And this is our strategy, and, and we're going to be here in six months. We're going to be here in 12 months. and three years, we're going to have developed this. And, yeah. and you can say our customers are going to be incredible. They're going, yeah. to, they're going to love where we're at, and it's great. In college, you don't have that runway. You, right. Because you, you the players change, you know, at least every four years. But they change, obviously, every single year. There's so much turnover. And in NIL, so I, you hear all these numbers, but you never get the right number. So NIL, you know, top college quarterback, whatever they're saying, makes a million bucks a year, whatever that number is. A really good D1 baseball player from a program at an NIL deal, what are they taking home? 50 grand, 20 grand? Yeah, I, don't, I have no it's, idea. It's, again, and this is hearsay. So Hearsay, uh, right. Hearsay, Nobody knows. Hearsay is that they're, they're approaching or just above six figures. Okay, uh, like a so star player, best player a star, in the team. A star player is approaching uh, to just above. But, the, you know, like, you know, you got players at UM that an NIL deal mean, might be that they give you $800 set of yeah, right, uh, headphones right, right. That, they want, bucks, right. that they want you to wear you know, when you're walking to the city and walking home, like right. it's there's there's different you know ways it's set up, but on the top end baseball, yeah, which is it's just trickled in now. I don't think it'll stay this way. It's yeah. probably a hundred grand. That would be a, a rich deal, uh, but it's still trickling in there. It's it's you, you, if you don't if you're not playing that game in sports, you're gonna fall behind. Yeah, yeah, and and also just with social media, those players now can help promote the play the, the program so much more just on their own, right? I mean, like it just seems if you look at women's sports, man. College, women's college basketball and then the softball tournament this year I, I'd love to see the ratings it did well like yeah. a, it was on every TV I'm like man like there's something here and I think those women do a great job on social media promoting in their communities and stuff yeah. and they build up the program so they're yeah. definitely worth it yeah I, I think women's sports uh, is it, a boom it's, it's incredible what's happening in women's yeah. sports and, and it's been a long time coming which is right. great uh, you mentioned softball I mean there's a lot of people that say I prefer to watch softball than baseball yeah, uh, it's fast moving. It's great. They play with an incredible childish energy, and yeah. and, and the college sports you see that anyways. Yeah, but it's a it's a fast moving game. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the women's sports have really done a great job uh, throughout you know the last decade for sure, maybe longer. And it's good to see them get I the right the place. I think the women could do really well with the NIL because the women's sports play crap, pay crap. I don't even know if there's a women's softball league, and 
man, they're on TV. They also stay, so they don't go pro. Because one thing is like, in the, you know, college hoops. Yep. Yeah, Zion was awesome. He was there one year, right? Yep. So yep. Uh, women, I think, you know, especially for hoops, I think they have to stay three years. But uh, they could do really, really well. Yeah, it's, there's, it's there's no cool. doubt. So it's, it's, cool. it's definitely cool, for cool. sure. So most of your life's been around sports. Life lessons from sports that you can apply to business. Yeah. Well, earlier, you know, we talked about life and, and how it simulates sports so much. And, and now as a business owner, you know, former athletes, I, I tend to favor in, in, in business. Yeah. Uh, when you think about it, when you're and, – and times have changed a little bit. And I'll talk about how sports have changed yeah. a little bit because there's some negative trends I think are happening in, in sports, mostly in baseball because right. that's where I spend most of yeah. my time. But, you know, I think when, when you think of sports and you think of um, the DNA of, of an athlete, you know, most athletes – start when they're very young. So whether that's three, four, five, six, but they start at a very young age. And and throughout that time, while they play this game, they're, they're being programmed, they're being wired yeah. for, you know, in most cases, there's a, a huge amount of discipline that comes into place as far as how you act. You know, there's always discipline as far as getting up, going to bed and being responsible, but you know, how you act. There's, there's a, a training that's going on behind the scenes on how do you interact with other people from a team standpoint? So how do I depend on other people and how do I let them depend on me? Again, mostly team sports I'm talking about. Uh, there's also how do you compete, you know, so competing against someone else, you know, how does, how do you get trained on that? There's a way to compete yeah. and there's a way to win and there's a way to lose. Right. So you're being trained on that. Again, you're just playing a game. Right. Right. But right. these are all programmings going yeah. on behind the scenes. Um, so you, you do that and you do that as, as time goes and you get to higher levels, you're weeding out competition, right? Sure. Less people are playing. Right. So you also learn later in life, how do you manage distractions? So I can't go do that this weekend because I got to do this. I can't go to the prom because I got to go do this. Right. Whatever it is. So in business, when you think about, you know, you got to have discipline. You got to most of the time work in a team environment. Most of the time, it, it depends on where you're at. You're competing mm -hmm. for business. Uh, so there's so many parallels that you draw from whatever sport it is, if it's a team sport, to the actual business environment. And without knowing it, you know, our youngsters are being trained in this. That's yeah. why I tell people all the time, like, and, and my kids play sports. You know, yeah. I want them to play sports. Right. Do I want them to be a big league player? Yeah, I'd love it. But. I'm not right. going to bed at night saying, oh, my God, I hope my son's a big leaguer yeah, or yeah. my daughter's, yeah. you know, a professional or whatever. Like, right. I want them to compete as long as possible because it's a training. It's really education. Right. I mentioned there's a trend in baseball that, that's a little disturbing for me. So now baseball, the way it's become is they play tournaments. So you yeah. and I, when we grew up, we played in two seasons. We had we had the academy season and we had the Corey League season. Right. And then you'd have a summer team that you'd play. Yeah. Now everything's almost a tournament. And, and, and you when you go to these tournaments – because it's a business. Right, right, right. They guarantee you you're going to play four games. So the first two games you play kind of don't matter. Right. So you're not playing the win. So to me, I have a problem with that. We're, we're, remember what I just said a minute ago? We're, we're, we're training these kids behind the scenes yeah. on competing, discipline, all these things. Now some of these tournaments are training them that now this game doesn't really matter. So imagine having an employee and you're telling them, Mondays and Tuesdays don't really matter. Right, right, right. It's really Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday that matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's happening behind the scenes, which, wow. which is a little troublesome. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you don't play for a team. So you play for a team this weekend. Oh, next really? weekend, you might be another team. The next weekend. So you, you get, you bounce around a lot. Ah, okay. So now go back to the NIO conversation. Yeah, they're, they're used to it. These it's kids natural. are programmed. They're programmed. Oh, I'm not batting fourth in this team this weekend? Yeah. You know what? I'm not playing with you. I'm playing with the other traveling team. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that. So that's what happens. That's so. So again, you draw parallels to that's happening, and these are our future employees. These are our future leaders in yeah, business. Yeah, so they're programmed, you know. Who knows? Who yeah, knows they don't talk anything out. Yeah. They back out uh, the, the, the moment they don't, you know, things get a little hairy. Um, wow, I, I had no idea. No doubt, no doubt. So so I, I think, you know, 
So when you look at sports, and, and as you mentioned, I'm, I'm very involved in sports, love yeah. sports. Uh, and, and I think there's so many life lessons. I think from a consumer standpoint, so now let's look at it. I talked about the athlete yeah. standpoint. As a business owner, you know, and, and we have a couple organizations in our backyard. We have the Dolphins, of course. We have the Heat. We have the Panthers. We now have the, our soccer team. Um, we have the Marlins, and then we have the colleges yeah. in, in camp. I think from a consumer standpoint, sports also, there's, there's a way to create an experience, mm -hmm. you know. And I think the Heat have, have probably created the best experience, and it's not because they're winning, right. uh, you know, or or we're winning because that that's ended. Right. <laughs> uh, but they've 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 created uh, an experience both for their employees, which is their players, mm -hmm. and for their customers, which are their fans, right? Right. So when you when you go to a Heat game, the experience is very unique and very distinct, and it's generally well thought of. Right. Right. But it's an experience. It's it's you know. And I think as you look at businesses, the businesses that have found a way to create an experience for their customer yeah. are succeeding. Yeah. You know, you go to the hotel chains, uh, you go to whether it's a Ritz Carlton or you go to certain hotels that, that create a certain level of experience, you as a customer pay more for that because you're like, I know what I'm getting. And it's this. consistent, yeah, right? It's consistent. The heat have a thing. We don't tank. Like we're gonna compete. We're not gonna be one of those teams that just guts the team and so we can get draft picks. Like we're gonna compete every year and look. Look what happened this year. We were eight seed, almost got eliminated. Yeah. We go to the finals. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and you know what's pretty cool about and it? And the fans know that. And they know that. And you're a fan. And and you were upset when they didn't win, even though we, you yeah. knew that they had no business being they, there. It, it, absolutely. they set that expectation, right? 100%. So, so as business owners, how do we set that expectation for right. our customers? So they they have a certain experience they're expecting. And as business owners, we had to deliver that. Yeah. And, and, and you know, consistently deliver at the high level, which then creates culture, right. which is what the Heat are known for. You got players all over town talking about, you know, hey, we want to play for the Heat. It's the Heat way, the Heat way, the right. Heat way, which is why they're successful. Yeah, I mean, you got to be consistent and have high high, high, uh, high standards. Definitely. My man, I can't let you go without some rapid-fire questions. Oh, are you boy. ready? I, I think This so. is going to be easy for you because it's all baseball-related. Okay. Most, 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 right. most guests, we, uh, we hammer them with other stuff. All right, ready? Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, yes or no? I think yes. Yes. I think yes. Uh... There's no doubting what he did as a player. Mm -hmm. and, and look, I get that there's got to be a responsibleness as well. Yeah. Uh, I think yes, because there's no doubt he's he was a Hall of Fame baseball player. Now, he did gamble. Yeah. Can't deny that. He didn't gamble against his team. Right. He gambled for his team. And he lied a lot of times. <laughs> that's the part that... That's, that that's you, what burned him. That's what burned him. Because yeah. I think if he says, yes, you know, I, I, I history has taught us, and, and there's athletes you know that yeah. when they get burned yeah. and they basically say, I messed up, it was a moment of weakness, or whatever they say, that we forgive. It's the difference between Andy Pettit and Roger Clemens. Andy yep. Pettit came out and said, hey, I did it, man. I'm, I'm sorry. You, you probably didn't even remember Andy Pettit got busted. No. But Roger Clemens, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right? And, and, and I think that's it, it's a life lesson, right? All right, so yeah. on the heels of that, the steroid guys, the Bonds, the, the, the Clemens, do they let them in? You know, And should um, they be in, in your opinion? I, I, I think that it, it's, it's, it's a tough question, and, and I'll, I, that was – those guys played through my era, right? So, so my my recollection, so that I can always hedge myself, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Is that steroids was was a big problem, not with those guys. It was it was through, it was throughout the sport. Yeah. Uh, my opinion was baseball could have done a better job how they handled that. Of course. And I think that they did not do a good job of protecting their players. Right. If they had a policy in place and these players were going around the policy and cheating the system, then you could say, okay, you know, we should. We, sh we shouldn't protect them. Yeah. They didn't. They had a poor uh, policy in place. They do have one now. But I think baseball should have stopped and said, hey, we recognize we had a problem. Going forward, here's how we're going to handle it. For yeah. them to go back and try to 
dig up these graves and and, and I, I think I you let them in and maybe yeah. there's an asterisk or something like that. But 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 all the fans already know, right? Yeah. And you can come up with your own conclusions. Yeah. So so again, if you're competing and everyone's doing it, and I'm not saying everyone did, but a lot of guys did. I'd say more than more than half. For more, sure. Yeah. For sure. So and they're putting those stats up then during that era. Now I think then the way to address it is this era is known as <laughs> this the, era. Right. Right. And but. That's my opinion. Uh, it, it, it's a tough one. It's it's really a tough one. At a ball game, peanuts or Cracker Jacks? Peanuts. DH, yes or no? Yes. Yes. New baseball rules. Uh, pitch clock, uh, the shift, whatever. Do you like them? What are your What's your thoughts? It, it. My personal opinion is I did not like them, but the fans, wow. my fans like it. Yeah. The fans, not my fans, the fans like it, yeah. so I like it. I'm supportive of what the fans like. Yeah. And it's overwhelming data saying that that the fans, fans like, like it. it. It's overwhelming. Yeah. I'll tell you what I hate the most about it. What? Uh, and it, it, it's a quote from uh, Field of Dreams. If you go back to that movie, and I've seen it a hundred times. Great. And 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 he's going through his monologue, and he says, you know, baseball, baseball, the one game. It's in timeless. Time. It's timeless. Yeah. There's no end to it. Right. You can't say that anymore. You can't say that anymore. No. <laughs> so even though there's no clock that says it ends, there's a pitch clock, and if you throw enough pitches, the clock it's gonna it's 100%, gonna end. Yeah. Right. So so to me. You can't say it anymore, and I love that movie. So that's, <laughs> that's why I'm like, oh, we can't say it anymore. But I, I, I'm in favor of it. It's, it's been positively uh, received by the fans. And at the end of the day, who's the customer, right? If they're the customer, they, they yeah. listen to the yeah. customer. Right. They did a good job. Uh, I'm critical of baseball, but this is one I think they got right. Uh, and I know me, my baseball habits were, I love baseball, and I, but then it, it did get to a point where like, man, I can't watch a four-hour game, like, and it, middle on a Wednesday, you know, Danny. But it's beyond the four hours because. You watch football for three and a half hours, but it's once a week. Uh, yes, good point. Right, but you watch it. You watch it Sunday. You watch it Monday. You watch it. No, Thursday. no, no. It's, it's, it's actually a good point. It's actually so a good point. You're not watching your team. You're right. But you're, you're watching right. a team. Yeah. It's it's the lack of action. The lack of action. You're right. Because the shift was actually as much of a problem. Yeah. So you had the shift. You have an, strikeouts. An, analytics. 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 Analytics got too good. Analytics got good. So so the game is played a little differently now. Mm -hmm. Like hey. Don't steal bases anymore. Analytics say it's not worth it. Right. Hey, don't bunt runners over. Analytics say it's not worth it. Right. So a lot of things that created action don't have it. So now the problem is when you watch the game that takes you four hours and you say, well, I only saw 20 minutes worth of action. Yeah. It's not a good deal. Yeah. It's just not a good deal. So that's what I think it's the two uh, combined. And strikeouts are through the roof. Uh, strikeouts, Str which means no, no action. No action. Right. 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 Um, should a grown man be allowed to bring a baseball glove to a game? Yeah, why not? A, a fan in the no, not allowed. What are your thoughts on a grown man of uh, a certain age bringing a glove to a game? They should be allowed. Uh, yeah, allowed. What no are problem. my thoughts? <laughs> come on, man, catch with your hands, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah. All right, um, use your hat. Use your beer cup. You got what, a beer cup mug, right? <laughs> right. What if you could change one rule in baseball? What would it be? Well, that's a good question, Danny. One rule in baseball: um, if you want to speed up the game more. I would I would mess around with the four balls and three strikes. Whoa! You would change that. I would mess that, around with that. that. I don't know. I don't know the answer to it, but I would look at that. That that is a uh, like a something you don't touch. That's a big well, one. They've already touched stuff. So yeah, yeah, they've already they, yeah, they've already you know, shaken they, they the made machine. the base bigger. They put a pitch clock in. That's right. They put the base. So bigger. you know, there, there's I think there's opportunity. Yeah, I remember viewership's up. They listen to yeah. their customer. In high school, we used to have uh, scrimmages all the time, so yeah. we play each other, and we'd play. Uh, we start with a one-one count. We would start with a one-one really? count, and and it might be that it might be that at a certain point in the game, you go to a one-one count if there's a certain run differential or something. That's an interesting take. Yeah. 
That's it, it just it, it it it'll give you exponential. Now it does change the game. Yeah. Uh, so you know, baseball is so so married to stats. Yeah. That I don't even know how they would take stats on that. Right. But you played a lot of positions. What's the toughest position to play in baseball? Um, toughest position. It's it's. I would say, and this is not from personal experience. Yeah. Uh, I would say the toughest position, not from personal experience, yeah. seems to be the catcher. The position. catcher, because you got it, so it, much it, going on. It's so demanding, and it wasn't until later on, after my playing days, that I realized the catcher not only the, the physical demand, but the mental demand of having to prep and having to know every hitter you're playing against. Yeah. If you if you get an opportunity at any point to listen to a big league catcher and talk about the work that goes into yeah. preparing for every game right. and the, the data analytics on every player and, you know, they're calling pitches and they have to do all these things. It's, and then worry about their own hitting. And then they worry about their own hitting. That's why when a catcher hits, you know, a buck 20, it's okay. He's a catcher. Right, right, right. right. And when they hit 300, they're like, oh, my God, this guy's the best. But it, it's it's actually fascinating if you get a chance to listen to a big league catcher talk about the workload physically and mentally that goes That's into catching. That's why so catching. many become managers. Yep. Yeah. They, 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 they Good know point. The game. All right. One last question: Who will be the next UM baseball coach? Wow. Um, so I'll give you the good news first. The the absolute demand that 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 the University of Miami is getting for the, the position of head coach is is uh is impressive. Right. Uh, it's it's nationally. There's a lot of names that have been thrown in in the arena. Uh, I'm I'm obviously biased. I yeah, think JD Artiaga is is, uh, is is would be an incredible candidate, and I think the right person at the right time. Uh, I recognize he's never been a head coach, and some might look at that as, as a detracting factor. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, he's never been a head coach. Okay, you he know. knows the game. Everyone's never been a head coach until they get a shot. Until they get a shot, right? Um, but he he I think is representative of the community of South Florida. Mm -hmm. He represents the program as good as anyone can represent the program. So you know, I that would be at the top of my list. But, you know, who knows? Sometimes, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, right. and I, I trust that the administration that they've been put in place in, in Dan Radakovich and, and those that are supporting him will do the right thing and find the right person. And I think the, the program is definitely on the rise. Mm -hmm. Gino Damari, I think, did a great job. I know uh, sometimes people have been critical of what he did. I mean, when you look at the pure stats on what he did outside he of, of games, outside of, you know, he didn't get over the hump. Yeah. Uh, he did a great job. But people think, you know, it's easy to get. To it's Omaha, brutal. it's not. Brutal. And and once you climb that mountain, yeah. sometimes you you hit it a few times in a row, and and then you look at it over a period of time. And I think Giannis, um, I can never pronounce his last name. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, the, the freak, the, the Greek freak. freak. Well, he had a great uh, press conference. With he had this. a great yeah. great press conference yeah, he when it. they got defeated this year. And he says, "I don't think it's a failure. You got to look at it over a scope of time." Of course. And I'd be the first one saying, "What do you mean it's a failure?" Yeah. But then I heard him like, "Man, he's right. He's totally right." You know, Jordan's career was awesome. Most of his. Great, one of the best careers ever. But remember, he had most to go his, with the Pistons. But most of his years ended in failure. Most yeah, of them, most even of them. right. So I think you know, Gino kind of falls under that category. He yeah. did a great job, and and he's going to be missed because he did a great job. So I don't know who the next head coach is going to be. I didn't good, answer your question. Good stuff. Where can people find out about your business uh, and, and more about you? Coastal Wealth, uh, you know, our website. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Weicho Link is yeah. my Twitter <laughs> handle. I'm only active during, during the baseball. Season. When I broadcast, I'm a Twitter freak, yeah, and, then, you, and then I go dark. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you know, if not, they could call you, and then you could tell them where to find Perfect, me. But man. I, I really appreciate being on the show with you. Awesome, dude. Thanks. Thank you, bud. Wow.